Welcome to the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. All right. Hey, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. I, I'm super grateful that you would take some of your time just to hang out and listen to the stuff I have to say. Um, I'm not sure that I would always listen to me, but I'm really grateful that you all listen to me. It's really, really encouraging, and it's awesome. Also, um, listen, if you if you have questions, we use I don't say this a lot, but if you have questions, if there's a topic that you want to address, if you have any questions, make sure that you look um, in the link below or you look under in the description. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're watching, and, uh, and snag that email and, uh, and reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Always appreciate when you like and subscribe. Listen, today I want to talk about uh, something that I heard a few weeks ago that for me has been, um, for me it's been really kind of challenging and awesome. There's this lady, there's this girl, she's not a girl, she's a full-blown woman, all right, and she is a beast of a woman. And when I say beast, I mean it in the most endearing way. She is two-time, uh, two-time CrossFit game winning um, Annie Thor's daughter. All right, it's her name, Annie Thor's daughter. She's from Iceland. She's an Icelandic beast of a queen. Okay, I don't know any other way to say it. And I heard her on a podcast. Now, Annie, last year, I think, year and a half ago, she had a kid, had like a six month recovery time enrolled into the CrossFit Games. She qualified for the CrossFit Games. And she does this snatch, overhead Olympic movement, pulls the weight over her head, finishes first in a competition. She she obviously doesn't win the whole thing, but man, the whole place erupted, just went absolutely crazy. And because she had battled back, she really struggled with some postpartum depression, and she's she's really vocal and open about this. And someone was asking her the other day, they said, Annie, listen, like you have got to be one of the most motivated people that I've ever seen. Like, what is it that motivates you? You know, you came through, you know, some pretty severe postpartum depression. You came through obstacles and training. Her abs separated, that thing that happens to women in their pregnancy and their delivery, her abs separated. And like, she went through all these physical struggles and she looked at the camera she looked at the person that was talking and she said, oh, that's easy motivation is overrated. And when she said that, I was like, oh, what? Like you, this person that like, and listen, she's known as the smiling CrossFit queen. She's always smiling. She's always happy. And she said this just deadpan. She said, motivation is overrated. And when I heard her say that, it began to light this fire in me of, which I'm, I'm, I probably self-evaluate. Um, that's a real clever way of saying that I'm, I'm critical of myself, I think. <laughs> so like I self-evaluate. No, bro, you're just really hard on yourself. So I self-evaluate a lot. And when I hear a phrase like that, I'll, I'll turn that in on myself and say, okay, how does this apply to me? Well, motivation, when she said motivation is overrated, I was like, mm, that's good. Because then she went on to say this. Here was the follow-up. She said, I'm not always motivated to go to the gym. I'm not always motivated to be the best parent. And then I started kind of in my own mind, like, from that soundbite, I started to go down that road. Like, I'm not always motivated to be the greatest pastor or the greatest preacher. Like, if, if we're if this is about being real and full transparency, right? And I thought, well, well, how did I then become a a skilled deliverer of God's word, a skilled preacher, someone that can look at the scriptures and 
and dig out truths and study the hermeneutical reference, like the time period, the geography of the land, the culture of the people. Like, how did that happen for me? And in the same way, I think it happened for her when it came to Olympic lifting and and stuff. It's not so much that she was always incredibly motivated, but that she chose to be disciplined. You say, well, how, how, how can you be disciplined? The first thing that you have to do, check this out, is that you have to establish a goal. My mind was blown, all right? Absolutely freaked out when I read the stat the other day that 90% of Americans, not, I'm sorry, 97% of Americans do not have a single written goal in their life. Or the way the quote read was, 97% of Americans do not have an established, discernible goal in their life. 97 so 90%, listen, 97% of the people that walk around in this country do not have a written down, established, discernible goal in their life. And so I was like, all right, since I, I'm, you know, I'm into fitness, I own a gym. I was like, I wonder what that, what that looks like to the health crisis in America. I wonder how that applies to like obesity. So I started doing some study and I kind of ran down this rabbit trail of stats. And I was like, okay, 42% of Americans are considered obese. 30.7% of Americans are considered, 30.7% of Americans are considered to be overweight. And so listen, if you, um, if you struggle with your weight, if food is an issue for you, like this, this podcast portion of this is not to shame you. It's just to show you this incredible statistical reality that I really just kind of stumbled upon. When I looked at the percentage of Americans that are underweight, it's 2.5%. Only 2.5% of Americans are underweight. So there's this whole plethora, this whole statistical reality, not anomalies, reality of people in America. 97% of people in America do not have in their lives a discernible goal when it comes to their weight, when it comes to fitness goals, when it comes to health in their life, when it comes to the things that they want to eat and to not eat, things that they want to cut out, whether it be sugar or fats or unhealthy fats, I should say. So there's real percentages. Like there's this real test study to show us that, yeah, like 97% of people don't have, well, well, how do we motivate them? Mm -mm. Motivation comes and goes. It has to be at some point in your life, and, and I'm not just addressing health, but there has to be a moment where motivation gets kicked out the door because it's overrated and discipline takes effect in your life. Like, because think about this, people can motivate you. I've shared this story before. My dad's a diabetic. Like the fact that my dad could lose like fingers and toes because he eats sugar should motivate him to eat correctly. He still eats sugar. Like he eats desserts. Like motivation doesn't matter. But if he was disciplined to set a goal in his diet and stay disciplined to it, then he could see effects and changes from a good diet. So think about this. Motivation is overrated, but discipline will dominate motivation in your life. So it's not that you're not motivated. And maybe this is getting a little more, a little more deep, a little more serious than I intended for it to be. But like, like people are like, I'm just not motivated to lose weight or I'm not motivated to exercise. That's not true. You're just not disciplined. You're, you're not disciplined. I'm just not motivated to plant that garden. I'm not motivated to, you know, to get A's, right? Like I'm not motivated to climb the ladder. You know, I'm not motivated to start the business. No, that's not true. You're just not disciplined. You're just not disciplined. 
Because if you wanted the good grade, you would be disciplined in your study and you could get the good grade, right? Like if you wanted to launch the business, you could be disciplined in, you know, sitting down with an attorney and figuring out what you need for your LLC. You could be disciplined in looking at your finances to see if it's something that you could launch. Like if you wanted you, if you wanted to be serious about your weight, you could sit down and look at the things that you're eating and find out a disciplined regimen to curb your diet and to put healthy things in your stomach. So that would right, that will decrease your body fat and increase your muscle mass. Like you could. I could. So it's not a lack of motivation, it's a lack of discipline, right? So you say, okay, TJ, well, you're kind of being a jerk, and that's not my heart, that's not what I'm trying to be. But I have to ask myself this question, like, are there areas of my life that I have that I have given way to, oh, I'm just not motivated, when the reality is that I'm just not disciplined? There's three things for me, and I'm going to give you really, I always try to give you at least three simple things. There's three things that I believe are the enemy of progress when it comes to being disciplined. Number one, we negotiate with ourselves. There's a great quote, great quote um, by the Mamba, and he says it like this, Kobe Bryant. He says, when we negotiate with ourselves, what it really means is that we're capitulating to fear. When we get afraid, we begin to negotiate with ourselves, right? Like when you hit your snooze button in the morning, you're not hitting your snooze button in the morning. You're negotiating with yourself that you're too tired. Like, oh, if I could just get a few more minutes, I would feel better. What's nine more minutes, right? Like, that's just a practical way that you're negotiating with yourself. Like, oh, man, yeah, I, I have these goals that I want to reach. You know, I, I want you know, I want that beach body this summer, whatever it is. I don't know. But you begin to negotiate. Well, like, what's one donut, right? Well, like, what's one number seven for McDonald's? You know, like, we negotiate with ourselves. Like, what, what's, what's one going out and partying with my friends rather than doing my homework? We negotiate with yourself. And when you negotiate with yourself, it is an, negotiation is an absolute enemy of progress because it means you're backing up. You're robbing from yourselves, yourself, opportunity to succeed. Like every time you hit the snooze button in the morning, and I'll just harp on this for a second, Every time we hit the snooze button, we're robbing from ourselves good starts to our day because there's never been a time, like this is just true for me, like there's never been a time that I've hit the snooze button that the next time that it went off, I was happy about it. <laughs> like has there ever been a moment where you hit the snooze button and then you slept for eight more minutes and you were like, whoo, yeah, I'm glad I slept for those eight minutes. Now I feel totally refreshed and ready to face the day. No, you all, I feel like crap <laughs> and so do you. Like, so we're robbing, for, when we negotiate with ourselves, we rob from ourselves the opportunity to start the day, to, to do the diet, to achieve the goal weight, to be healthy, right? Like when we negotiate with ourselves, we rob from ourselves those opportunities, that, that discipline of saying yes or no, right? The second thing to me that's been an enemy of progress in my life that's so far beyond motivation is blame. I, I blame others, right? Like I, I blame the lack of motivation or I blame other people, or I blame, y'all listen, let, let me say it like this, and, and I'll just be real, real transparent. I was really bad in school. And I heard a friend of mine say this in, in one time joking, and it really just fit my life, so I kind of adopted it. But it was like there were 365 people in Lee County's graduating class, and I finished third in my class from the bottom. You know what I'm saying? And and it's it's really true. Like on my SAT, I scored a 900 on my SAT. And you get like, at the time, you got like 600 points just for writing your name. Like I'm dumb as a bag of rocks. I'm surprised any of y'all tuned into this podcast and listen to me, right? But I, this is what I did. My parents split when I was young. I was bounced from house to house, right? And I remember all, all of my quantitative, all of the testing 
that I did that I was tested for gifted when I was younger, which because I, on standardized testing, I scored through the roof on everything, through reading, through comprehension, on all these levels. The year that my parents divorced when I was in the fourth grade, it was the first time that I failed a class and I was held back a grade. And so for years, I, I blamed my parents. I was like, oh, the reason I'm not succeeding in school is because my parents divorced. And then as I got older, they were like, oh, you got you have a learning disability, right? Like sometimes I flip numbers and percentage fractions around in my head, right? Formulas flip around in my head when it comes to my ma- mathematical things. And so I began to, well, I have this disability. I can't be a great leader because I have this learning disability. I can't be a great leader because I'm, I'm terrified in front of crowds and in front of people, right? I can't do these big goals. I can't reach these big goals in my life because, I mean, I have this deep desire. I felt like I was called to lead worship and to sing and to, to write songs, but I can't read music. And I mean, I remember sitting there looking at a bass clef and a treble clef and, clef and sitting through Music 101 at a local college, and I dropped out. Like, I had a, I had a scholarship, because I could do stuff like I was talented, but I had a music scholarship and in the first three months, I was like, man, I'm I'm not smart enough. So I blamed learning disabilities. I blamed my parents. I blamed all these things. And what I realized is like all of that, that blame was just the enemy of progress. And some of you, listen, I know this because this is a human condition. You're blaming your mom or your dad for your lack of progress when you're just not disciplined. You're blaming a bad breakup you know, for your inability to treat the opposite sex correctly. You're blaming your last boss for your laziness. <laughs> I mean, I could, we could go on and on and on. Like, like there's so many times. It's not, motivation's not your problem. You're just negotiating with yourself. Motivation's not your problem. It's not my problem. We're just blaming other people, right? So grab some discipline. Choose the difficult thing. There's one last thing that's the enemy, the enemy of progress, at least for me in my life, and I'm just being really transparent, is that I, I compare myself to other people. Like, if there's been one thing, if there's been one thing that's held me back in this list of three, this probably comes, you know, this probably comes to the surface more times than not. I, I compare myself. Well, I... I'm not as smart as this person. I'm not as handsome as this person. Y'all, I've, I've, I mean, I've thought all this crazy stuff, right? Like, I can't sing as good as this person. I can't preach as good as that person. I can't lead as good as that person, right? And so I'm spending my life comparing myself to all of these other people rather than, than being disciplined in what I've been gifted with. So that's been an enemy of progress in my life. I, I heard one time, I'll tell you all this crazy story. And there was somebody to witness it. So I'm not, I'm not, this isn't like a podcast story to make up so that you, you, you feel connected, but check this out. I was sitting at a Starbucks on my way to deer hunt one time in Kentucky, me and my friend, Matt Bell. And there were these moms that were just absolutely trashing this other mom. And they were like, oh my God, she brought this to the party and she brought this and she had all of these snacks. And like, I mean, they were just throwing her under the bus. And I remember leaning back. I heard this quote a few weeks earlier. And I leaned back. I said, hey, hey, ladies. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you're talking about your friend, right? And they were like, yeah. I said, you know, comparison really is the thief of joy. I said, if y'all keep comparing yourselves to her, you're never going to be joyful and you're never going to appreciate who she is. And you, I mean, it was like, it was the most awkward moment. I thought it was awesome. It was a lot of fun for me. Probably it was selfishly. It was probably like, like for my pride, I was like, oh yeah, I put these ladies in their place. But like, that's been true in my own life. Like comparison has been the thief of joy. 
Motivation has not been the thing that's held me back. Nine times out of 10, it's because I've either negotiated with myself, I've blamed someone else, or I've compared myself to others, to someone else, and I've let comparison take from me, rob from me, my joy and my determination and my discipline. So, So here's the question. Are you negotiating with yourself in an area of your life where you need to step up and be disciplined? That's a genuine question. Number two, are you blaming other people? Right? Like that's so simple. But are you blaming other people when really it's just a lack of discipline in your own life? The third thing, are you comparing yourself to others? Are you checking out Instagram or Facebook and you're watching someone else's highlight reel and you're comparing yourself to all of their doctored pictures and their filtered lifestyles, and you're comparing yourself in such a way that it has robbed all of your motivation, and because you don't have discipline to back it up, you're failing, you're struggling, you're faltering? Stop negotiating with yourself. Stop blaming other people. Stop comparing yourself to someone else and choose the difficult thing. Motivation is so overrated, but discipline, if you will let it, hear me say this, discipline will dominate motivation in your life. Discipline will overcome you negotiating with yourself. Discipline will rule out you blaming other people. Discipline will help you no longer compare yourself to other people, but discipline will help you compare yourself to yourself yesterday, okay? Like discipline dominates motiva- motivation. Choose the difficult thing. Uh, I have a really good friend, somebody that I really care about. He hangs out here on staff a lot. His name is Keyshawn. And, um, and Keyshawn's going to like, oh man, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how he'll feel about this, but if you listen, if you know me, and you love me, you're fair game for this podcast. So Keyshawn, um, Keyshawn had some, some great situation going on in school, right? And so Keyshawn was hanging out around the church a lot. He's hanging out, hanging out with all of his friends. And we're all, listen, this place, this is the best place in the world to work. Like you can hang out with your friends. Like you, you can get lost in the day sometimes. You have to be really disciplined. And so Keyshawn, Keyshawn, he might have had a bad grade or two, all right? I don't, I'm not going to speak for Keyshawn, but he might have had a bad grade. And Keyshawn came by the office one day and and I said, hey, Keyshawn, and I said this to him. I just said, hey, man, just, just choose the difficult thing. Like, I love hanging out. We all love hanging out with you. But, like, just bail on us sometimes. Like, bail on your friends sometimes. Bail on hanging out sometimes. Choose the hard thing. Choose the difficult thing today. And it will make those fun moments more enjoyable without the weight or the pressure of that bad gray hanging over your head, right? Or feeling like you're prolonging some some discipline disciplinary moments in your life that you need to really enact some discipline. And so that's that would be my encouragement to you. Choose the difficult thing, right? The difficult thing is to be disciplined. This is a reality in my life. And um, when I came to First Baptist, I, I've been here for 12 years. When I, when I first came here, I... Um, I was working like 30 hours a week, 30 to 40 hours a week for an HVAC company, and I was crawling under houses, all right? I was putting in HVAC stuff. I probably messed up. I didn't know what I was doing. I probably messed up more stuff than I helped, but there was a great, there was a guy, a great, great friend of mine named Dallin Granberry who employed me. He actually let me work for him, and it probably cost him more money than it ever helped him make, okay? But I would work 30, 40 hours a week with him. I would drive to Albany. I lead worship at Sherwood on uh, Wednesday nights. Um, I was scrapping metal at the time. That was like a big thing. I was cutting down like grain bins and, 
and um and all doing all this stuff for farmers and taking metal and selling it and then at the same time I was still traveling with a band you know probably every other weekend through the spring uh, but I started preaching at First Baptist on Sunday mornings and I knew that no matter what went on during the week I had to have a dedicated four or five hours at least for sermon prep where I really just sat along with my sermon so because of my schedule at the time my sermon prep was moved to Friday night into Saturday night. And I would go in, and I enjoyed that because I worked really hard through the week, sometimes 12, 15, sometimes 20-hour days, especially when I was working for the HVAC company and doing scrap metal on the side. So I'm, some days were 20 hours a day, 16-hour days, 15-hour days. Those, those weren't, you know, they weren't uncommon. And so I made this non-negotiable in my life way back then that Saturday night there would be three, four, five, sometimes six hours to where no matter how much I'd read during the week or studied during the week, no matter how much sermon prep went in Monday through Friday, Saturday night was going to be a time that no matter what, I put multiple hours into sitting with the Lord, sitting in the scriptures, going back over my notes, and typing everything out. Saturday night would forever be my night. I decided that, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Now, during the course of that 10 years, I've led worship in other states and driven back home and got home at three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. Um, there, there've been times that we have birthday parties and there, no matter what, it, it doesn't matter. My family knows if we get home at 11 o'clock, dad's not going to sleep till 3 a.m. Like if we get home at 10 o'clock, dad's probably gonna go to sleep at 2 a.m. If we get home at eight o'clock, dad's probably gonna go get to bed about one. You know, like that, there's this known understanding in our home that, like, dad disappears for four or five hours every Saturday night. Why? Well, it's not because I'm always motivated, all right? Like, I'm not telling that story to be like, hey, look at me. Like, no, I'm not always motivated. But I, I put this discipline in my life that before a Sunday morning service, like, I owe it to my church. And it doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter if I've studied 20 hours that week, right? I remember I did a sermon one time on divorce. I studied a, 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 a cumulative with all that I read, the reports that I read, the sermon that I did on divorce. I invested 60 hours of study time just into that one sermon. I'd lived that sermon having divorced parents, but I really, I didn't want to miss it. So statistics and reading books, I put 60 hours in this one sermon. You know what I did on Saturday night? I went back over all my notes, point by point, line by line, quote by quote, prayed over my points put it into word. That's what I do every Saturday night. Like that's a non-negotiable. So are there things in your life? And I'm not saying, Hey, just be like me, but that is an area of my life where I don't always feel motivated. Listen, I don't, I don't always feel motivated to be a great pastor. Sometimes church people wound me. Sometimes they're overly critical. Sometimes they're correctly critical, critical, and it still wounds me, right? Sometimes church folks are just mean, right? Sometimes I just want to enjoy my family and spend time with them. Sometimes I want a Saturday just to be about Georgia football. Like if I'm really, really honest, I'm not always the most motivated person. You know, 52 Saturdays out of the year, I'm not at a 10 on motivation. Sometimes discipline has to take over, and I have to choose the difficult thing. Even in something that I do love and am passionate about, I have to let Hebrews 12:11 be my guide. What does it say? Discipline in the moment. It seems difficult. One translation of the Bible says, discipline in the moment is unpleasant, but in the end it will produce fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 
So I'm not here today telling you that discipline, <laughs> like it, that it's fun to push away my lady donuts. You know what I'm saying? It's not fun to not, you know, to not get the crystal burger at 2 a.m. because it just slaps different. Like a crystal burger with cheese at 2 a.m. absolutely slaps. Well, listen, like discipline is saying no. Discipline is choosing the difficult thing. Dif- discipline is not negotiating with yourself. Discipline is not blaming others. Discipline is not comparing yourself to other people's highlight reel. Discipline is doing the difficult thing in the moment so that good fruit will be produced from your life. And there will be a day where discipline will dominate the motivation and you will produce successful, good results because you chose to be disciplined. And so, listen, I know I kind of, kind of, kind of peel back my heart a little bit and let you kind of see the inner workings of my brain and my heart and how scattered and crazy it could be sometimes. But, but that's real. And, and that's where you will be. If you want to do something great for yourself or your family or for God, you're not always going to be motivated, but you can always be disciplined. Love y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend. For more content, follow us on Instagram and YouTube. If you have any questions you would like to ask TJ, whether it is about life, leadership, or the gospel, you can email those to TJ Malden Leadership Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us again on the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast.